0: Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Welcome back to My Business Playbook. It's so good to be with you today. Thank you for joining me. Now, if you've ever had one of those moments where you realized, I don't know why I'm doing this in my business. I have a team, I've got people who I outsource to, I delegate to, but for some reason I end up doing this thing. I had one of those moments recently, I found myself designing these tiles in Canva and I was thinking, there is literally no reason for me to be doing this. A... I'm not that good at it. <laughs> B, it makes me want to throw my computer out the window. I honestly, I don't really swear very much. I'm not, I'm not much of a swearer. But when I'm designing things, it, it it honestly brings it out. I get so frustrated at my computer. And I, I think the people in my office can hear me like muttering at my computer. This isn't my zone of genius. This is not my area of expertise. And if I were to, you know, map it, I would go, this, that's not what I... I don't know why people aren't paying me for that. You know, this isn't why I started my business. Why am I even doing this? The reason I'm telling you this is because today's guest is Ruby Marsh, and she is talking all things Zone of Genius. And she's talking about your energy and how you actually make sure that you you're playing to your strengths in your business. I know you're going to love this episode. This conversation was really fun. We sat at my kitchen dining room table, and we just kind of chatted away. So a little bit about Ruby. Ruby and I met a couple of years ago at an event that we were both speaking at and immediately I got along with her and we, we both kind of were into the same authors, we were into the same like marketing people, we both loved the same people. Anyway, I love finding people in Newcastle who have a really similar um, approach to business as me. And so instantly we were like, we should be friends. And after this episode, we actually said to each other, do you want to be friends? (laughs) So now we're officially friends, which is great. Ruby is a small business coach for women in creative industries. She's an architect turned coach for creatives. And she's a speaker and host of the podcast True to You, which is a beautiful podcast, by the way, highly recommend Her mission is to guide high achieving women to unlock their creative bravery and do work that feels meaningful. Through her one-on-one coaching and group program, The Creator Club, which she shares a little bit about at the end of the episode, Ruby helps early stage business owners to learn tools that will help them to attract dream clients and be paid for their innate genius without burning out in the process. I love it. I love that she's all about working to your strengths, working in your zone of genius, and really actually building a business that works for you. That's not something that you it kind of you become a slave to. I love it. So this conversation is really fun. She's beautiful. She is a, has a wealth of knowledge. So welcome to my kitchen table. And um, we're just going to have a chat. Let's dive into my conversation with Ruby Marsh. Thank you so much, Ruby, for joining me here in my kitchen. <laughs> it's good to have you. It's good to be here. <laughs> yes, it's good. It's fun when it's a local person because we can actually be face-to-face, which is much nicer.
1: And I can I can see when you're pulling funny faces <laughs> <Yeah>. at
0: me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like giving you the finger over here, just being like, Ruby, that, that answer sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Not, no, every answer you give will be glorious, I know. Now, we've already been chatting before we hit record and then we realised, okay, we actually better start this thing because I feel like we, you and I can talk. So, tell us about what you do, how you started your business and, and all of the things.
1: Yes, uh, this is this is a long question. <laughs> <laughs> do you want the short answer or the long answer? Yes. My journey's been pretty interesting and I was reflecting on this this morning when I thought about this question. I honestly, 10 years ago, didn't think I would be sitting here with you doing things like this. I've always loved speaking and channeling my inner child right now, being here with you and having these sorts of conversations. So it's it's really fun, but it's always So cool to look back and I think look at your journey and say, wow, I've really done some things that I didn't plan for and they've turned out even more incredible than I could imagine. So to give you some context, listeners, (laughs) what I'm talking about. (laughs) I am actually a registered architect. That was my first profession when I left high school. I actually came to Newcastle where we are recording this. And wait, anyway,
0: you need to tell people where you're from because you kind of have a blended accent. Yes, I have, I have a
1: blended <laughs> accent. I originally grew up in New Zealand, in Christchurch, New Zealand. And then I came over here when I was 19. So if you're good at math, I've actually been here half my life now, so haven't lost the accent and sometimes I'm reminded of that <laughs> Australians. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you do sound Australian though, but yeah. then you've also got, your husband's
0: American, right? He,
1: he grew up a little bit in California, yes. yes. His parents are American, but he grew up in New Zealand and we met in Australia, so.
0: But you have this slight American thing, twang. Probably,
1: probably, probably. <laughs> so, came over here for university, studied architecture, slogged my way through that degree. If we have any creatives listening or lawyers or doctors, engineers, maybe you'll know that doing a degree that's more than uh, 4 years is brutal. It's <laughs> <is> brutal and <laughs> I guess when I dived into it, I didn't really know what I was in for and Got through, passed really well, ended up in Sydney in a very prestigious firm where we worked with the top 2%, 1% of wealthy, notable Australians and some of our clients were even based overseas yet they had a property in Vaucluse that they needed renovating. So <laughs> they came to us and that was, that was incredible because I guess if you could have these Crazy budgets and these types of clients on your resume, it looks, it looks really good from the outside. Certainly, what the work that I was doing and the the life that I had, people thought, why would you leave this? You're on the track to some really cool success, and uh, certainly, yeah, that was that was right. But I was also not really happy and suffered a type of anxiety that people wouldn't even really know that you have because when you're a high achieving woman, you can keep it all together and kind of grit your teeth and get through it. But it started to really impact me and I was dreaming about my work and I also had a lot of problems with my immune system. And so on top of that, I was starting to think seriously, do I want to be in this long-term? What does it look like to be five, 10 years down the track in this career? Am I I really, really loving it enough to call this my life's work? And so I made a big call and around my 30th birthday, I walked out of my architecture office for the last time. And I didn't go back to full-time architecture. I thought, okay, there's a little bit of misalignment with my values and I could stay in design, but maybe I want to work for a really cool company that's more aligned with my values and I'll stay doing design work. And so I made a list of 10 companies. There was people like Aesop on there, there was Lululemon and I ended up actually landing a job for Lululemon, but it wasn't even designing stores at that stage, which I thought that I would be doing. That was that was the path that I continued to map out, and you know, I'd I'd lived this kind of linear lifestyle where I was like, "Cool, go to university, get the great job, tick all the boxes," and then I thought, "Okay, I can do that again for this next stage of my career." Little did I know, once I got inside the four walls of Lululemon, that I would actually a find my people and b. It would open the door to a completely new opportunity, new career path where I dived into actually managing and leading teams for Lululemon. And within that environment, you are exposed to a lot of incredible leadership training, which we were just talking about. And I could talk Laura's ear (laughs) off about leadership and how we ran the, the stores like small businesses. And it was very much grassroots marketing, which is super gritty, but exciting. And it really threw me into what I call a small business MBA, Why go and get an MBA where you can join a company that will give you everything you need to know from the finance side to operations, to the marketing, to leading people, which is where I actually found my sweet spot. And so through that, eventually I started my business coaching and I started out coaching women in career transitions and That was what I knew because I was very close to that event in my life. I'd been through it not that long ago. And then slowly but surely, all of these creatives started coming to me, architects, interior designers. I worked with a fantastic upholsterer last year. And I started to realise, actually, I think my work is returning to working with creatives, I understand what it's like to be them. I know what's going through their brain. I've dealt with perfectionism, self-doubt, all of these things, and I, I want to help them in their small businesses. So now I do coaching, mindset work, and also help with their marketing and content, things like that. So that's that's where I am today. I also have a podcast, which is really fun. Yes. You've been on my podcast. Yes. And it's so
0: cool. So you, you've you kind of, I feel like you've done business, you built your business in a similar way to me. I mean, without all the big career changes, but like grassroots, just learning on the go, right? Have you done any study or anything around running business or has it been all just learnt on the go?
1: I would say 50-50, I think. Uh, whilst I didn't get formal training with Lululemon, there was a lot of trainings that they put through, put us through. So yeah. I didn't go out and and do university study to be a leader while I was there. They have a lot of internal trainings, which is fantastic. Uh, I've done some of Brene Brown's work. And really a lot of it has been through my partner, my partner, my husband. <laughs> My husband and I have owned uh, three businesses now and we are about to embark on our first collaboration together in the coaching industries this year, which is very exciting. And so all of those collective skills, plus growing up around small business, it's just amazing what you learn by osmosis that you take for granted and you think at the time, oh, God, mom and dad have this small business and it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then here you are in your late 30s with a business, <laughs> drawing on some of those skills and calling your dad for business advice. So, yes, I yeah. love
0: that. I call my dad because he's worked with people who are employed and paid and worked with a bunch of people who aren't even paid to do what they're doing. And so he he like really gets it. So I, I totally relate to that. But in your journey, so you, you've you gone from this kind of high-flying architecture role, then you work for a global company, Lululemon, which is epic, and then you go into coaching and starting your own small business. What do you think uh, – like I love hearing about the missteps that people make because I think it helps us to, A, <laughs> it helps us feel good because it means that we kind of go, oh, okay, like – you know, I'm I'm not alone in my weird, you know, funky moments where I do stuff wrong. But also I think it, I feel like these missteps often lead us to a place where we have a more refined business, where we actually know more of what we we value, more of what we care about, more of what we, our unique thing is that we offer. So what are your missteps that you've taken in your journey? This is, this is a great question because, it's often
1: the last thing we want to acknowledge, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: I love that. It's my
1: second question every <laughs> yeah. time. I'm like, yeah, great. That sounds awesome what you do. Now tell us what you did wrong. <laughs> I was I was reflecting on this and I, I thought about a few things that weren't specific F-ups. I don't yeah. know if we can swear on this podcast. <laughs> weren't big stuff-ups that cost, a lot of someone, a lot of money. I've already had those in (laughs) Arctic. No, I'm kidding. It, it comes back to, I think a lot around the way I think about myself. Mm. Uh, one thing we were just talking about actually in terms of leadership is this capacity to ask for feedback and I was, I was giving the, the example of my husband who is so great at taking feedback, always asking for feedback, always coming into the room saying, can you check this? Can you look at this? And I think when we accept feedback, we can move our business forward quicker because someone helps us to see things we can't see. You've spoken about it as blind spots. yes. And so I think one of the things I would do again from the beginning is get more feedback quicker. The other thing that comes to mind with that is not relying on this winging it mindset for too long. Yeah. And actually saying at a certain point, I need to wing it because I want to know if this is a business that I really love and actually if running a business is something I want to do. And then at a certain point, you'll you'll always probably have a bit of that to what you're doing. Yeah. You'll always have because that's an entrepreneurial mindset, right? Absolutely, yeah. But at a certain point, you have to grow up as well and you have to say, okay, what are these things that I really need to have structures for? Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that came to mind with this is, I have obviously changed my niche in the last, pretty much the last couple of years. I've more worked into, uh, moved into, sorry, to working with small businesses pretty much exclusively. I stu- still occasionally help a little bit with career stuff, but it's usually when they're transitioning into a small creating business. a small business. Yeah. So I think, If I had my time again, I would 100% do that niche work. And I know that this is something that bounces around in the marketing circles of people loving the niche stuff and saying you must do it, and then other people saying you don't need to do that. And I think the quicker I had done that, the, the more clarity I would have had around my messaging and my marketing. And so I really teach clients a lot of that stuff up front now and make sure that they can easily talk about their business, right? If they meet someone in the street, can you talk about your business? Can you talk about what you do? If they say, oh, my brother-in-law is about to renovate their house. Do you know the right questions to ask if you're a designer? And so I think doing that work up front, it's probably something that I would encourage people to do if they're early on in business or if they're feeling like they're not attracting the people that they want to be working with Yeah, because making some of those decisions which you have to make a lot of decisions in business, right, but what I like to call them is million-dollar decisions. If I was earning a million dollars a year, would I be sitting on this and would I be frustrated by this Probably not. Yeah. I would make a decision and I would go with it and I go as fast in that direction as I could. So yeah. I think it's shifting that mindset into those what are those things that are really going to uh, drive the business forward and, and turn it from a, you know, kind of
0: pleasing everybody, pleasing everybody yep. and
1: winging my way through this to this is a legit business.
0: And yep. yeah, totally. And do you think there's a there's a tipping point where initially you kind of take whatever work comes to you, right? Like it's kind of, you're starting out, you just want to get people through the door. Do you think there's a tipping point where people kind of realise I need to niche down and and just focus on this specific area in my business? Have you seen that as a trend or is it kind of unique to each business?
1: Yes. And, 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 And it's unique because it depends on what stage they are at. I think sometimes even if you are doing something that you really love, doing something you love and also having the clients that you really want to work with is the ultimate, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes we start out doing what we love, but it is that thing of getting experience and getting hours under your belt uh, one thing for me was that I have spent probably 200 plus hours coaching people one-on-one yeah. before deciding to move into working in groups. And yes. so I really wanted to master coaching before I went out and was doing it in front of big groups of people. Yeah. And that's that's just the way that I've chosen to do it in order to get those 10,000 hours in that skill. Yeah. And so I think with, with the niche, it is one of those things that as soon as you get a feeling of these are the people I really want to work with. And these are the people that I don't want to work with. That decision flows into so many things that you end up doing in your business, that it makes everything really easy from there. But You have to be in a position to want to make those decisions. And
0: And that means saying no to work, doesn't it? It means saying no to money sometimes, which is hard when you are a small business owner. I remember when I moved from social media management into consulting, I had this, I was one foot still on the ground and I was working with a, um, a business coach at the time and he was like, Laura, you just need to cut, you just can't offer it anymore. You just need to cut it. And I still was like, yeah, but there's this one client that I'm going to keep because blah, blah, blah. And it was this fear thing of, well, what happens if I take that on or what happens if I shift my business and and kind of change my niche because it was kind of working, you know, and it's hard. I guess there's this moment of realising just because it's working in inverted commas doesn't mean it's where you need to stay. I believe that if you can market your business, you can grow your business. So if you're a small business owner wondering why the heck your business isn't growing, or you're wanting to take it to the next level, then My Marketing Playbook is for you. In this course that's designed especially for small business owners, we cover everything from social media, email list building, messaging, website design, copywriting, Facebook ads, and more. The waitlist for My Marketing Playbook is now open and you can sign up to get first access at mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash course. I hope to see your name in there because I know this is going to help you grow your business. Now, I love your approach to coaching and small business because it's really accessible and it makes people feel like more confident in what they're doing and I love that you you love helping people to work with what they've got and you often talk about performing an energy audit. What is that? Can you explain that to me and and why is it why is it important for small business?
1: Yes, this is a non-negotiable for for my coaching because I know that the women that I work with I I'm pretty pretty clear on the fact that they are potentially juggling a lot of roles that they're not they're not the entrepreneur in their garage in silicon valley that's tinkering away that can work on their business 24/7 drinking diet coke and eating ramen noodles <laughs> they have a whole lot of other things going on in yeah. their life and a lot of the time in the personal development world, especially, and then that's flowed into entrepreneurship, is that we have this really f- big focus on time. And I know time is, is something we can't get back. It's really precious. We want to have time with our loved ones. All of those things, yes. But then it's moved into this hacking time and productivity and, 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 Whilst that is great, there's another level to that, and that is having the energy to actually perform the task in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I think your level of productivity is directly related to the level of energy that you give that task. You can't be productive unless you have the energy in the first place or you might feel yourself, uh, you know, you have 10 coffees, maybe that makes you really fast and productive. (laughs) Long-term for your cortisol levels, probably not. No, that makes me
0: so anxious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably not going to be ideal. So in terms of making changes in your business, you come to a business coach because you're ready to level up. You're ready Mm -hmm. to make some changes. You're ready to let go of some things that aren't working for you anymore. Maybe you've got some goals that you want to hit this year. So let's start with the practical and the fact that you are living in a human body, you're not indispensable. You have this finite resource called Mm -hmm. energy. And so when we look at that, we can look at it in terms of the energy that you're putting out, i.e. all the roles that you fill in your life, wife, mother, friend, business owner, And look at all of those and and where is your energy going to those? And then look at what energy you're actually giving to yourself to fill yourself back up and to ensure that you can maintain all of these roles. And part of that is also going, how much time do you have to spend on this change that you want to make in your business as well? Because chances are if you're running your business either full-time or part-time, Part-time you might be because you're looking after little kiddos as well. And so, okay, you've got X amount of hours to spend per week on this change. What energy are you going to need and how are you going to get that energy? And does something else in your life have to give in order for you to create that space? And often we think, oh, just I'll just kind of squeeze this into my life and and make time somehow. You can't make time but you can actually control your energy and you can control at a basic level what you put into your body and things like that. I don't work at that deeper level, but some people have that knowledge. So that's where they do the work. Or some people say, cool. Okay. I actually know that I need to get up at six o'clock every morning and go for a walk along the beach because then my head is clear and I can work for the day. So we come back to understanding what their personal non-negotiables need to be in order to have the energy
0: to make the change that they want to make. I love that and I think also there's this thing of I think if we took stock of what we do in a week or in a day there'd probably be a bunch of things in there that potentially we don't have to do someone else could do we could automate that process we could delegate it and so I think it's such a cool exercise to be thinking about it in terms of it's not about time, it's about the energy it takes. And if something energises you, then you're kind of in the plus again, right? But if something is draining, then is there a way for someone else to to do that or for you to minimise the amount of work that you have to do in that realm or even knowing, okay, it's my headspace in a good zone for me to be doing that task or that that particular meeting should I reschedule mm-hmm. I think those things have really helped me to kind of schedule because I can go okay well I know I'm more uh, I'm more inclined to be creative or write today than be doing like kind of tasks so it, it can kind of if you have the flexibility to do that obviously we don't all have that but if we do have the flexibility it's kind of nice to play into that as well
1: yeah yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I think something that you touched on then is outsourcing. I I get women that come to me that spend more time worrying about the washing that's lying around or having the house perfect than making these changes in their their business. Mm. And so sometimes it's about looking at your personal life and going, yep. "Well, can you actually outsource?" outsource your your food or the cleaning or whatever it is that's actually going to give you a few hours back per week or yeah. take some decisions away from you because making decisions take mental load as well as what we were talking about before and so yeah. don't just look at your your business and everything that you're doing in your business but look at how your personal life is contributing to how you show up in your business as well
0: so good and that's such a good point because i think particularly uh, in small business, I don't think we can compartmentalize our business in our personal life. As much as it's nice and, you know, people talk about having this work-life balance, I I kind of feel like it's a bit of a fallacy in small business because how do we achieve that? If our small business is really values-driven and it's kind of a piece of who we are in a sense, you can't kind of switch that off obviously you need space from working but I think if you have a business that represents you that represents your values then that work-life balance thing isn't as needed does that make sense so it's kind of like that the two the your personal life and your business they're quite connected Mm. And I love the idea of going okay well what can I do in my personal life to support what I'm doing in in my work Mm. and Mm. I think that that makes that makes so much sense so, for you, I love that a lot of the people you work with and, and definitely the way that you run your business is very values driven. And I love that you've also created this business that's authentic and it's really true to who you are and to your skill set. What would you say to someone who is struggling to find their voice and stay in their own lane in business?
1: Ooh, this taps into a subject that's really close to my heart. (laughs) And it's a term that some people will know, uh, some people might not know on here, but I think staying in your lane comes back to understanding your strengths, your values, and ultimately what sits in your zone of genius. So a lot of the time I find business owners and I've been in this position myself where I've said yes to so many things Mm -hmm. and then I've found myself overworked and overwhelmed and not attracting the people that I want to be working with because I've said either said yes to them or said opportunities that attract those people into my business and so it's coming back to ground zero and really understanding okay what is what is my zone of genius? Because like you said before, those tasks and skills and strengths that you have that light you up, they're going to give you energy, right? Yeah. And it's this clarity that also allows us to be able to build a really unique business. And once we're clear on those things, we don't worry about comparison. We don't look at what everyone else is doing, we can map out our own journey in our own direction and we can decide how fast or slow we want to go at building this business. And so some people I've worked with, the the pivots that they make in their business take a little bit longer, they're a little more considered, and then some people are like, bam, we've got to get this thing rolling in this direction, how quick can we do this, what can we achieve in three months together? But first, it's always coming back to the fact that, that this direction that they're going to take sits in their zone of genius. Yeah. Do you want me to give you the, the down low on what zone of genius is? Yeah, I was just about, about to say, can
0: you give us also like a practical thing of how you know if it's your zone of genius? Because, you know, I I think that could be helpful.
1: (laughs) So zone of genius is a term that comes from Gay Hendricks. He wrote a book called The Big Leap. And it's really funny because I've done a lot of this work through Lululemon and then various other things that I've done uh, after that time. And the book, The Big Leap, actually only came to me a couple of years ago, even though it's about 10 years old or maybe, maybe much older than that. And so finally, I was like, "Oh, thank God! There's a term for something that yep. I've been thinking about this whole time, <laughs> and this all makes sense." But that's that's how things work, right? So, in Zone of Genius, or in the book, sorry, the big the big leap, he talks about this thing called Zone of Genius and understanding what sits in your Zone of Genius. There's also a couple of other layers to this, in that you have other areas that you need to understand as well. So everything from the things that you're incompetent at, competent at, and things that you're excellent at. The thing that gets really tricky for people when they're trying to understand what sits in their zone of genius is that often skills that sit in their zone of genius can also be in their zone of excellence. But there's there's some really subtle things to look for to know whether something actually sits in your zone of genius. And I would say that when you initially do this exercise, you might find, and you might always find this for the rest of your life, but there may only be a handful of things. We're not trying to be good at everything. Zone of genius is about being good at a couple of things and then developing mastery at those couple of things. And so what you'll start to notice is that the difference between excellence and zone of genius is that those things that sit in the genius are things you want to take to mastery level. Yeah, Excellence, you're happy to be really good at and you're happy to be achieving well in that. But maybe you can't see yourself doing that thing for the next 5, 10 years or moving the goalposts such that you go from speaking in front of 10 people in a workshop to deciding I want to be like Tony Robbins on stage and I want to speak in front of thousands of people. And so I know that this sits in my zone of genius because I'm willing to go to the ends of the earth to get really good at this thing and it may mean that you get support and you get help. It also comes back to understanding your energy and getting those little signs in your body and in – doing these things that have you go, ah oh, hang on. Like, when I'm doing this thing, I'm really lit up. Yeah. And I could talk about this for days and I could sit and have conversations with people over a glass of wine and we could talk about this all night and I would never be bored to talk yeah. about this thing. So there's a level of obsession there. You really, really love this thing. And look at them as things like skills or strengths. They might be tasks that you do. And then also your energy. So do you get drained when you do this thing or is it lighting you up? Does it actually give you more energy? Mm. And so those little subtle differences will have you be able to see when things sit in your zone of genius versus yeah. excellence, maybe competence, and then also what's great is that when we're talking about outsourcing, you can start to use this map. You map out these four quadrants and then you can go, cool, okay, when I reach this stage where my business has grown so that I, and I need to employ someone, this is probably what I need to employ someone to do. Yeah, great. Or I would really love to have someone grow into some of the skills that are in my my excellence zone so that I can work in my zone of genius much more. Yeah. So that someone's still operating at a high level in your business and some skills that
0: maybe you're happy to kind of leave for someone else to do. I love that. So for someone, for someone listening, if they want to do an exercise to, to kind of map that out, What's a practical way we you, you could actually do that?
1: Well, I think if you want to do it properly, there's there's a series of exercises that you could do. And I d- recently did a workshop on this with a group of women. And so we went through a few steps and I can share a couple of these things mm. that you can do to to start to drill down into what this zone of genius might be. One caveat I want to put on this though is that in my opinion, also Gay Hendrix's opinion, is that this is something that you master over your lifetime. Yeah. It's not something that you can get a score on and then <laughs> it's go. It's not like your Enneagram no. or your Strengths
0: Finder thing where you're like, great, there, there it is. Perfect. I'm going to sit there. It might
1: yep. um, pivot and change slightly over time. Yeah. But what I would say is a couple of simple things you could do is an exercise that's called peak moments. So look back on your career to date because I think the great thing about Zone of Genius is that we can also put aside some of those things like titles, job descriptions, awards, all of those things and really just look at us as a person and mm-hmm. what we are incredible at without having all those things in play. So you can look at peak moments in your career, maybe three peak moments and and look at those and say, okay, when when was I enjoying myself the most? When did I feel most fulfilled? maybe abundant in this situation, what was happening and and describe these peak moments to yourself, write them down in a journal and then look for connections between those peak moments. Because probably what you'll find is that even if that one of those peak moments was while you were working at McDonald's and then another peak moment was in your past career and then another peak moments in your current business... That there'll be similarities between what you were doing and those different things. Yeah. And so start to look for those similarities. And then, yeah, what you could do is map that out in terms of these four quadrants. Yeah. What I think might be in my zone of genius coming from that peak moments exercise, uh, zone of excellence, competence, and incompetence. And I love that. really simple. Obviously, we can work to coach you through and get more depth in yeah. that exercise. But starting off, just see what you notice, see what comes up. And then I would revisit this exercise every every few months or keep a journal. And, and, I mean, that's a really simple way is just notice your energy across the week when you're doing different things and journal it. I love that. At the end of each day, I love doing this. This gave me energy sending that email to that person was a highlight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So it's it's kind of this self-awareness thing too, right, of actually going, am I just good at that? Like I think I like the distinction between something that you're excellent at and the level up is that zone of genius. So it's, it has to be more than just you're good at it. Yes. You know, it has to be that it energises you and it lights you up and it and it actually – it, it makes you feel more than just, oh, okay, I'm I'm good at that.
1: And it's really tricky because off often with the women that I'm working with and I've only really coached women up to this year. I've worked with a few men in a group setting, but mostly women. And it's very easy for us to acknowledge what's excellent, but for us to actually go to that next mile and say this is – what sits in my zone of genius, we really have to have a lot of courage yes, to admit that to ourselves. Yeah, And sometimes you might actually look at your current career or your current business and go, oh, hang on a second. Some things might need to change here. So it's being able to like I said, do these exercises, taking away what you currently do, the title that you have, how much you earn, all of these metrics that we put on success and say, actually, what am I really, really good at? And then, and then looking for ways to filter that into your business.
0: Yeah. And do you think people need a third party sometimes to go, hey, I can confirm you're good at that. Like, do you think sometimes we need that? Because I find for me, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can kind of, I can do these particular things well, but for me to be able to define this is actually this kind of elevated to this zone of genius or kind of this calling thing, I think that you're so right, it would take courage because it, it doesn't probably come naturally to think, oh, no, 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 I'm epic at that you know that's a Laura thing that I'm really good at. I feel like maybe it's just me, but do you do you find people need a third party to kind of go, yeah, that that's true.
1: Absolutely, and I would actually encourage you to ask people around you. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't you take for granted the things that light you up. Yeah. You do them so easily, you do them effortlessly and you don't think that that means something. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. ask people around you, people that you live with, and these might be things that initially they notice come from your personal life, how yeah. you organise your kids' birthday parties, yeah. uh, how you're great at organising a holiday or an event for the family, and looking at that and going, well, what are you actually really great of at in that exercise? Mm. So they might not be able to speak to your work, but they can certainly... Pull out things that they see, and they can watch your body language and and your behavior, and and notice when things are really
0: lighting you up. Yeah, and it's funny too. I guess that that same that energy audit makes so much sense in relation to this because if you if I have a long day and I'm in meetings all day and I feel a little bit drained by that, but then if I go somewhere where there's a bunch of people and we're all hanging out. I come home and I'm like, woo, like last night I did that. I finished, I had such a huge day, but I went to this thing where all like a bunch of friends were, I came home and I was like, it's 10 o'clock and I'm just cleaning the house because I, I have energy. And so I think it's knowing what is an energy output and what's an energy input that makes so much sense mm. for that exercise mm. as well. Ah, So good. I'm, it's all, it's all making sense for me. Okay. Final couple of questions. A lot of our community are small business owners, they're entrepreneurs, they're juggling everything. What's your biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started?
1: Keep it simple. Yeah. And this is something I've pretty much stuck to, but I would say that, especially if you're a service-based business, I would... And, and if you're if you're new in your business, especially this is this is really key. Is you don't need to do everything. You don't need to deliver every kind of service. I would think about one or two things that you can create that you do really really well. And master those before you add more services on top of it. Because you really want to become known. And this is where niching down also plays into this, yeah. right? Is that if you can become known for delivering a service in a special way to a certain group of people, the way that the world is going, we are looking for people that that align with our values we're not looking for generic or the same, mm. especially as creatives or people that really live into their values in their life. And so if you can create something that meets that, I would do that. Anytime that I've diverted off course and over here doing one thing and over here doing another thing and not kept to that that one service that I do really well, things have probably suffered a little bit, or yeah. it just takes me realizing, oh, I probably didn't need to do that. Yes. Come yeah. back into, come back into your lane, stay in your lane at what you're really good at and become known for that. I think that's a really exciting opportunity is that we can create authority and presence and brand through sometimes the most simple things that we do in our business. I love that.
0: Oh, that's so good. Now, final question. What's next for you and your business? And also, where can we find you?
1: Yay! <laughs> where can we find you? <laughs> you can find me on Google Maps. Uh, if you want to hang out, I love Instagram. I haven't – I'm yet to get on this thing called Clubhouse. Oh, my gosh. i okay, such I've got a, clubhouse. Geriat- a geriatric.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got on Clubhouse and I've got to tell you, I, I was in one – um I think it's called a meeting, meeting room? room, something. Oh, see, this is, it feels like a generation gap and I was on it and kind of thinking, like I just can't do another thing. And I know I'm in marketing. I probably should, but yeah. Shout out. Like if anyone's listening and you want to give me and Ruby some pointers on Clubhouse, please do because I'm on there. I could give you an invite, Ruby. Okay. I, I don't, I haven't done anything on it.
1: Let's just say I'm (laughs) curious about it and I think it it could be a good place to be, but yeah, Instagram, my podcast, True To You, that's all about helping women create meaningful small businesses, but particularly creatives. And I have some amazing women on there, including Laura, telling their (laughs) stories, their career journeys of how they got to be doing what they're doing and really, really relatable stories. That's a big key thing for yeah. me because I think that it can be intimidating going into small business. Yeah. And if you can find someone that's forged the path, yeah, then it's exciting. It's like, oh, I can actually see where this might end up. So that, that's really my goal with that podcast is to do that. So I still have a handful of one-on-one clients and Currently, we are running something that is by application called the Creator Club. It's a small business community for service-based businesses. A lot of the businesses are wellness, health professionals, and obviously, uh, because of my background, designers, graphic designers, architects, all of these exciting professions. And really, we wanted to create a group where people could come and get coached on their roadblocks, move their businesses forward much, much quicker. And sometimes that takes putting your hand up and saying I'm willing to ask this hard question and move through it. And with the support of a like-minded community, so we really are focused on belonging and having people feel like they are seen and heard. And as part of that, we introduce the members of the Creator Club to an eight point framework. And this framework covers everything from having an executive mindset. So stepping into yourself as the CEO of your business through to marketing and then some leadership skills as well. Because even if you are a team of one, you are still a leader. And it's really important that you grasp some of these skills so that you can grow your business, right? Uh, so yes, that's something that you can can be part of. And if you want to send me a DM, you'll, um, I can send you a link to, to join the Creator Club. Amazing.
0: And we'll make sure all the links are in the show yes. notes. So check those out. Ruby, thank you so much. You are full of so much wisdom. And I know like even listening to this now I'm like oh gosh there's so many things I need to do that zone of genius practical thing practical kind of quadrant map situation (laughs) I definitely want to do that yeah (laughs) I'm sure there's a more technical name for that but honestly so helpful and really encouraging and inspiring so thank you so much for joining me and joining us today
1: you're so welcome Laura thank you for having me
0: Well, there you have it. That's the play-by-play for this week. I love Ruby's story. I love her approach to business. I think she, she really has something unique. And anytime I have a conversation with Ruby, I leave feeling better I leave feeling more confident and so I personally feel pretty good right now so thanks for joining us head on over to our Facebook group if you want to chat more about this episode and if you want to reach out to Ruby head on over to our show notes you'll find everything you need in there and music from today's episode is by Jake Scott Uh, you can listen to him on Spotify or Apple Music whatever method you prefer and I reckon that's it I reckon that's all I've got to say to you. Thank you so much. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Go get them.